We had three farms, but as we get older, we keep selling them all. There's one just around the corner, my dad bought it for me when I left school, and he gave us it £3,000, and I sold it for one and a half million. Oh yeah, because I remember saying to you, you should go yeah. on a cruise, and you said you had no desire to go anywhere. No, no, wait. <laughs> Solicitor just says, you want to go on a holiday and spend your money. I said, if I go on a holiday and get killed, I'd be worse off, wouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> A warm welcome to Voices from Heriot Country, a brand new podcast about Yorkshire characters 50 years after the first James Heriot book about life as a rural vet was published. We'd planned for this to come out a little later on, but decided you might need some cheering up now. Hope this trip deep inside beautiful Yorkshire does the trick. I'm Helen Levy. And I'm Simon Collins. In our first episode of Voices from Heriot Country, we meet an old man who knew vet Alf White long before he became the author James Heriot. Yorkshire farmer Chris Greensett, who's never been abroad and only been to London once, turned 85 a couple of days before we popped in. His age hasn't yet stopped him, though, from getting up at 4.45 each morning to do his chores. On his 170 acres, he has 19 cattle and grows some barley, corn and potatoes. He also has a vegetable plot a few metres from his front door. So talk us through what you grow in here, then. So you've got apples, an apple yeah, tree. Yeah, yeah. and that's raspkins, that side. For raspberries, yeah? yeah? Yeah. And that was broad beans. And then we had runner beans there, French bean. And then them's parsnips, them's carrots, them's turnips, and then there's cauliflowers, cabbages and Brussels sprouts. Lovely. So you rarely have to buy any veg? No. No. I live cheap. <laughs> I can almost see Chris as a youngster as I watch him talk outside his old farmhouse, its walls decorated here and there with old horseshoes he's welded together. His home is a few miles from Thursk, where Alf White, author James Herriot, had his veterinary practice. Alf and his partner Donald, Siegfried in the Herriot books, were both vets for Chris's family farm. It's rather quiet on the farm now, but in the 1940s, when Chris and his mates played football with a pig's bladder, there were more hands on deck. We used to have a cow when he used to milk cows. Me and mother made butter every week. And we always used to have two lads living in the house. And they used to get up on the morning and feed horses before we got all tractors and that. And they used to go and feed horses. And horses had their breakfast. They had their breakfast and then off they went to work. And one of the lads married a girl that would help me mother. And then now it's just you and Brian. Yeah. And, and there's nobody else around. No. It sounds like it was a really busy, bustling place with a lot going on. A lot oh, yes, ah, we had to have labour, you see. But uh, we don't know. Take it easier. Chris walks us towards his fold yard, an enclosed area to keep cattle dry and warm in winter. There's only 19 now, and we're going to have less. Because the thing is, they get faster and I get slower. When my brother was here, we used to have about 80, you see. When you had 20 in that field and 20 in this field, and then you got to bring them all in, they didn't all just come in as you wanted. Mm. What do you think you'll end up with, like a, maybe 10 or something? Well, I don't know. So this must be the 19 cattle that, that you've got? That name's the 19, yes. This is the 19, they're all stood staring at us. Yeah. Are they expecting to be fed? They've been fed this morning, and the lad's coming back this afternoon, he's going to feed them again. The lad Chris is talking about is Brian. Since the death of Chris's brother Will a couple of years ago, Brian is the only help Chris has on the farm. We call him Ladbury, he's been here 46 years now. (laughs) (laughs) 
And these are, what kind of cattle are these? Charolais. Charolais Cross. Charolais Cross. Yeah. So these are for beef? Yes, I'll either be off for beef in about, about three months' time. Hopefully. If they're still alive then, if they don't die on us. They look quite healthy to me. Yes, are we? You never know. Chris is matter-of-fact about farming's ups and downs. He understands only too well that animals can die long before they're taken to market. He tells us a horrible story about a farmer and some pigs. You won't know this, but pigs give a lot of heat off. So the fans going out time to keep them cool. The fans had gone wrong, there was 500 laid dead. We see that's what happens. Livestock, dead stock. Chris's accepting the everyday attitude was, however, somewhat tested back in June 1985. As we continued our tour, he told us how he and Brian were working in the fold yard, preparing to cement it over, when Brian suddenly shouted out that Chris's tractor had hit something. He says, hey, this is a pot there with a lot of coins in. I says, go and tell my brother then, he was out field. So my brother came in and he says, you have a hell of a job on counting all them, and off he left us. Chris and Brian counted the coins, 1,552 silver and 30 gold, a huge hoard. Then they put them in a bucket. Chris telephoned a friend, a teacher with a passion for old coins, and told her he'd found one. So she came along, and so she sat at table, so I brought a bucket with them all in, and I just tipped them on. Where are eyes, little? Bah! Go! She thought we'd found one. <laughs> and so she, uh, this teacher said he'll have to report them to the police. So the police came and says, oh, we'll have to have an inquest. Well, I says, you can't have an inquest now because we're going to be starting harvest. I have time to come. <laughs> so they put it off. An inquest was needed to decide what should happen to the coins, which covered the reigns of various monarchs up to and including Charles I. Experts decided that whoever hid the fortune probably did it in 1644, when there was a small castle on the site. Charles was still king then, his head still on his shoulders, but he was fighting a civil war against the parliamentarians, and 1644 was a turbulent year. A major battle took place that summer, a few miles from where Chris now lives, with the king heavily defeated. While we don't know exactly who hid the coins, something else in the pot helped establish a link to the king's army. There's a bit of rolled up paper, and it was right brittle, might have been there 340 years, but with sunlight, he sort of melted it a bit, and he could just open it. Well, it was 12 stone of cheese, so it was an IOU, like, really. The supplied army with 12 stone of cheese, and they couldn't pay for it. And so, of course, that IOU would never have got paid back. Well, it would have done if he'd come back for it. If the king had won, yeah. it would have got paid back, but mm. obviously he didn't win, and then he ended up mm. being yes. executed. Yeah. So, so Chris and Brian headed into town for the inquest after they'd finished with the harvest. There was... Uh, ITV cameras, BBC cameras, and another lot of cameras. They were all there, all these reporters. We walked down, Brian and me, and all of them were stood outside these with the cameras. So we went and sat on the wall with them and said, what are you waiting for? Well, somebody found some coins. Do you know anything? Well, I said, I should do, we found them. Well, they all got the cameras out and, you know, that was, that was it. The inquest decided the coins were treasure trove and therefore they belonged to the state. Chris received a few thousand pounds in compensation and the coins were taken to a museum. A few months later, he and his brother Will went to see them in York, 20 miles away, a rare day out. I said, we've come to see the, them coins you have here. I said, we're not going to pay for them because I've seen them before. Oh no, you can go in, so we got in free. We went to see that they were there, that was all. 
And I suppose they would all be polished up and looking no, nice. No, no, they don't polish them, you see. They just leave them as they are. I mean, if they start altering them a lot, it makes a lot of difference to them. So they're just displayed in a better way than yeah. in a bucket, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't have them in the bucket. <laughs> You were born on this farm, you grew up on this farm, yeah. you've always lived on this farm, and so it must have really... Yes, I've been, I've been here 85 years, so I know all about farming now, don't I? Here. So that day must have been a really unusual one for oh, you? Oh, it was unusual. I don't think you'll ever find again, will you? No. Did you find it quite exciting? Oh, yes, sir. We didn't really find a pot of coins, is there? You see, these were all stalls. Can you see where they've been marked out? And then they used to hang all down, and he sort of pigs it back. We take pigs down. Oh, so this would have been full of the sound of horses. Yes, that was it. Are you still recording? I am, yes. You'll be getting some rubbish on. <laughs> well, but like with the um, the pot of coins, you never quite know what you're going to find either. So <laughs> I need to keep keep going and uh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you going to have a cup of tea? Oh, that would be lovely. Yeah. Do you want me to make it? No, no. I can make tea. Okay, thank you. <laughs> well, we'll sit round here, we'll have a talk. Oh, lovely, okay, yeah. You're alright, are you? Don't, don't think I'm going to put you out, do you? No, Hook but up. if you've got, honestly, if you've got stuff you need to get in on, no, you don't want to be... No, but Brad's got a favourite couple tonight. Okay. Well, when you live on your own, you can't upset anybody, can you? Because mm. there's only yourself to upset. I think everybody's in such a rush today, and they want more and more. Nobody's satisfied today. I'm satisfied here. Being on Chris's farm, surrounded by green fields and away from the trappings of modern life, I feel sure Alf White, James Herriot, would have agreed with Chris. He said as much in his books. That quotation about not having time to stand and stare has never applied to me. I seem to have spent a good part of my life in just standing and staring, and I was at it again this morning. Behind me the ragged miles of moorland rolled away, dipping and rising over the flat fell top. I must have stood here scores of times and the view always looked different. There must be people working among the farms down there, I knew, but I couldn't see a living soul and the peace which I always found in the silence and the emptiness filled me utterly. A yogurt pot tea. I'll give that a go. Oops. Oh, Chris, I think you forgot to add the tea. I think you forgot to add the tea to the pot. There's no bag in there. Or some tea oh, leaves. Oh, tea I would be wonder. It's because we were chatting. Oh, We've distracted you here. I'll blame you. Yeah, just blame us. Put water in there and we'll boil her up again. Because we're talking too much. Yes. Yeah, yeah, distractions. As we settled down to our tea, Chris brought out some buttered scones and leftover birthday cake. You could have a bit, aren't you? Yeah, thank yes, you. Aye. Celebrate your birthday. Aye. Right then. Well, happy birthday. Yeah, happy uh, birthday. Never worry now, because they keep going and going. And all you get, faster the goal. Mm. Aye. I know. It when does you... seem to speed up time as you get older, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. Oh, when you were at school, you were sat in lesson, it was Latin and French, and you were sat there, you were looking at it, kept looking at it, you watching it, never went. You didn't like languages then, no? No. no. Look how con dog, dog is. thing is, he's all right, he won't play you. But uh, he's a happy dog, so he might as well have a chair, hasn't he? This is the dog's chair? Yeah. Yes. yeah. Would you dare to sit in the dog's chair? Yeah. 
Will thought Will the dog. Yeah. Yes, I. Will was your brother. Yeah. Chris reminisced then about his dealings with James Herriot and Siegfried Farnan, Vets Alf White and Donald Sinclair. Alf White was a lot better to get on with than Don Sinclair. He was a nice bloke, you see. Alf White. Mm, what no. was Donald Sinclair like then? Was he difficult to get on with? No, but you see, he lived in a big hall, didn't he? We once went and bought some cattle off him. And like big hall he lived in it, I think you could ride down it with a push bike, you know, a big hall. He was a bit more cleverer like, you know. But Alf White was a more conscientious. You could get on better with him. He sounds like it was a bit he was a bit more down to earth. Mm, yeah. yeah. Mm. When the books came out and he started to become well-known, did you ever have a conversation with him about that? And no, you... no, no. We... I think it's only, he was only just a, a normal person, you see. I mean, it wasn't, you didn't look up to him no more because he'd written a book. I wouldn't, at any rate. When you've known him, you know, all, I mean, he was coming when I was a little lad. You don't look up to him no more, like, I mean. The, some of these on television... We make such a fuss because they're idols and this, that, and they don't, they're cute to see them and this, that, that, I wouldn't bother, like, wouldn't bother me. Do you want some more tea? You were all right there. Yeah. Can I get a bit more milk out of the, is that the yeah. fridge there? Yep, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you help yourself. Thank you. Do you want another one of these? Um, go on, yeah. You were that busy. If you want some tea, you help yourself. Yeah, I will do I've had two Lovely cups tea. already. So You're all right, no, you help yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, I'll tell you what, when you're at our house, you do as you like. Oh, well, very good, yeah, I'll, I'll come again. <laughs> uh, no, you do. I'll tell you, his solicitor, he went to his aunties and he said, he was that posh, he didn't sit down, so he said, never went no more, I guess he made a mess. However, my sister came one day and she said, you have a cobweb up in that window. Well, I said, I'll tell you what, if it's bothering you, take it down, because it doesn't bother me. <laughs> so she never said no more. Yeah. <laughs> Over another cup of tea, Chris showed us a few coins and other items found on his land by metal detecting clubs. See them scufflings, them too? Oh, wow. If you can turn it over, you can't see. A pair of silver cufflinks believed to commemorate the wedding of King Charles II to Catherine of Braganza in yeah. 1662. Wow. Yeah. Goodness me. Well, that was. How come you got to keep these then? Well, you do, they, they don't want them because they find that much stuff. They go, they go out every week, mm. different different areas. So no, they just give you them as a sample. Oh, it's nice to keep though. Anyway, you yeah. should, you maybe, you should maybe wear them. You think so? No. <laughs> yeah. No, that's they give you all sorts. There's probably so much other stuff still buried out there, isn't there? Yes, I. I suppose you've had your big find. It's unlikely to have yes. another big find. No, there'll be no more, will yeah. there? Yeah. Well. You never know. No, you never know, but I never worries about it. As long as you're healthy, you can't buy that, can you? We discuss money a fair bit, mainly centuries-old coins, but Chris also had a more recent tale of wealth. And I said to that fella, how much do you want for a house? And he says, so much. I said, we don't want to look inside, because I said, we only want to know where it is and what it's like. So I, I bought it that morning. So you bought Brian a house? Yeah. Oh, that was really kind. Well, I think he's... I mean, if he wasn't here, I wouldn't be here. So what's the point, like? You mean you, you wouldn't have been able to do the farm without him? No. So, I mean, as I say, what, what's money to you? So thank you very much.
much for having us, Chris. No, you're welcome. No, I don't mind you coming, because thing is, I can get on with you. And thank you for the um, the cake and the scones as well. No, you're welcome. You you're welcome. Yeah. Lovely to meet you. Thank okay. you for okay. the stories as well. No, you're welcome. Thanks for listening to Voices from Harriet Country and thanks to Chris Greensit for a lovely few hours on his farm. Also thanks to Ishbel Hurd for the music. Next time we'll be talking to a lady who helped the Harriet vets out in the 1980s, agreeing to look after an injured owl. Now a pensioner with more than 50 owls in her garden, she has animal tails galore. And it laid on me and I'm shouting, It's alive, Jim! It's alive, Jim! <laughs>